Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time for Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, hey. That's not Dan you're hearing. That's Mike Points. <laughs> I thought it was Fat Albert. Is that Fat Albert? <laughs> Fat <laughs> Albert. Yeah, okay. Hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, San Luis Obispo. Now I'm thinking about Fat Albert. I've been up since 5:45. Doing uh, what? Just being awake, being huh. happy, healthy, terrific. Well, <laughs> I was almost up at the same time as you. I got up at four to take some tums. <laughs> Does that count? Yeah, yeah. You beat me <laughs> for those three minutes that you were awake. Yeah. Then I got up and just saturday mornings it's like my time to finally get up and do the stuff that i like doing you know like i'll check all my baseball stats oh wow catch up i am not happy about what happened to the giants yesterday especially in the third inning but um oh i'll read a little bit of news were you guys playing the mets mets we got crushed i saw the 12 run third inning 66 pitches who was the lucky pitcher for that pv was taken down and then Strickland gave up a grand slam to um Cespedes Cespedes had six runs Whee! six RBIs in one inning well you're not supposed to worry though it's even you're right that was before six o'clock and then after that I got into financial news which is probably what we'll be talking about today a little bit and then just you know that peace and quiet time where you're like I don't really have to do anything I'm gonna pour another cup of coffee Speaking of that time where I don't have to do anything, we have a guest today that you've organized. So That's right. It's a hot show. We've got I'm Mike. just planning on being a fly on the wall during your guys' conversation. You'll you'll add to the you'll Jim add value to fly on Jim's, the wall. Okay. Jim's like that's my job. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> no, I'm the fly on the wall over here. You're yeah. Gonna, you're gonna have something to say, I'm sure. But I probably will too, so He's probably in route to us right now, Mike Turnquist, um, affiliated with Keller Williams Realty, but his real estate company is known as the Seventh Level. Um, actually, it's pretty neat. He and his, he'll get into it when he's on the show. He'll be on from nine thirty to ten thirty today, talking about the North County real estate. Also, talking about you know him and his practice, which is he and his wife, one of those Sweet. realtors that figured out a way to work with his spouse get things done and share a family life. It's really a great story. We'll have them on today. Um, you would think having real estate agents on the show would get boring after some period of time, um, but it remains fresh because they're all different. They are all different. It's pretty. In fact, it's pretty interesting uh, how many different approaches there are, different takes on the market. And, and uh, so yeah, look forward to that. It'll be fun. Yeah, and different markets they focus on. Obviously, Jason and I talk to buyers all the time because they're borrowing money to purchase a home. The seller is also, in some cases, needing our advice because once they sell that home and they get a shot in the arm of money, they need to figure out what they're going to do with that money. If they're going to buy another house, maybe roll it into a, another investment property via 1031, etc. But yeah, Mike's trying to do more listings but is still in my opinion and we'll let him tell us the whole story a great buyer's agent very attentive very on point and so we're happy to have him on the show well great what time is he coming on 
He'll be on at 9.30 right after our commercial break. That means we have 21 minutes to have some real substance here. Begin. I'm putting you on point. You said you brought I, some topics to talk about. I did. I did. I want to get into... Uh, I have one topic we want to help self-employed borrowers have a better understanding of how they can maximize the way that they make income and get a mortgage for that type of uh, employment and employment, that income. We'll give some key tips there. Also, I think it's prudent to touch on what happened this week with the Federal Reserve. I'd like to just start with that. Yeah. If we could. Um, for those who weren't watching the news closely and aren't sure, the Federal Reserve met this last week and uh, decided to pass on raising interest rates again, predominantly because they feel that the job market is still strong, but we haven't reached maximum unemployment or the optimal unemployment, I guess you could say. And and with that being said, we also have not seen a risk or um, price increase or what they call inflation. I think that to put it simply though, it's really a situation where the winter months didn't really do produce what they should have uh, in the U.S. economy. And the Federal Reserve as a committee has to sit back and think, how much more pressure can we put on the economy and is it worth it? And, and right now they just don't see that it is. Uh, that quarter point rate increase that we took last year, I think is going to simmer for at least the rest of this quarter, my opinion. And my prediction with Dan Podesta last show of the year last year was that we wouldn't see another rate hike until quarter three. And I don't even know if that's going to happen at this point, Jay, mainly because there's just a lot of variables added to the equation. Agreed. You, you know, international variables. Um, the fact of the matter is that we're getting people jobs, but are they the jobs that they really, really want? Are they the jobs that can really yield a solid income to increase demand on products? Because we're also seeing households save more money, you know, more than they ever have before. They're not doing the things that we were doing in 2004 or five and six, which is just buy it, buy it now, buy a boat, buy a car. So a couple things. I mean, we've been doing this show for uh, seven or eight years. So time has taught me that if you, um, are too careful or too specific about what you think might happen. That's where you're kind of made a fool. Um, you don't have the benefit of that yet. Jim can go back and play these clips where we claimed things to be coming or true or because of and found out not. Sure. <laughs> um, all along this year, um, we've been set up by the Fed to, to know that the pace was going to be slower than what they initially anticipated uh, in terms of how many times they would hike rates this year. Um, the, the good money, by the way, has been on the June meeting. Um, really since january so we'll see we'll see if you're right because june obviously falls in this quarter here so we'll see what happens but um yeah it does um well i think that you know i appreciate what you're saying jay you know i i think the great thing about talk radio is that i put out an opinion and the listeners at home are either shaking their head to what i'm saying or they're shaking it up and down agreeing and, you know, one of the things we'd love you to do, if you're listening right now and you've got an opinion about this, is call in and, and add to this conversation before we have our guest. The number to call in is 
uh, please call in again. It's five four three eight eight three zero. So yeah. after the, so leading into this meeting that happened this week, there was a twenty two percent chance of probability of a rate hike occurring. So most everybody agreed that it was pretty slim. Um, and you know, essentially, right now it looks like the markets only put the June rate hike at thirty four percent. I think that that number was higher a few months ago. Um, interesting thing though about this week's Fed announcement. Um, this is the first announcement in several meetings where they didn't cite uh, any kind of a, a global risk. There wasn't much mention about the downside impact of global risk to the U.S. economy. So that's something that has been present and has now been removed from the statement. So it'll be interesting to see going forward if if the global concerns are, are being put at ease or not. Um, and then lastly, you know, we learned that the Fed said... Um, this is a direct quote that growth in household spending has moderated, although households real income has risen at a solid rate and consumer sentiment remains high. A range of recent indicators, including strong job gains points to additional strengthening in the labor market. So all in all, it sounds like we're, um, the feds just try to leave the, the lid where it is on the petri dish here and just see kind of what happens what's going on without introducing anything new without changing anything um, and i think even the sentiment here uh in terms of the statement itself says that um you know pretty well an interesting thing that came out this week to couple along with that um is Corporate earnings are at a six-year low. Retail inflation is still low. Um, inflation is something that the Fed continues to want but is really having trouble getting. Um, Dan and I joked a few weeks ago, maybe this is why the states are all moving towards creating this uh, $15 minimum wage as an attempt to get some real inflation in on the street. Um, but additionally, we also got a reading of... Um, GDP this week showing that GDP increased at an annual rate of only 0.5%. Um, that's not very good. Um, we were 1.4% rate for the fourth quarter. Um, this reading was expected to come out at 0.7%. Um, you're, you look like you're feverishly going through your notes, and I, got, I don't know no, if no, I should no, blast I got you it. here. I didn't have I didn't have internet. Let's go back. Oh, now you're connected. Okay, so yeah. now we'll see how fast you can Google this then, <laughs> or I had a link or recall your training from seventh grade economics here. But in this great capitalist nation of the U.S., um, target GDP. That's Come a, on, draw it out. I believe, You're not even trying to I'm, Google it. I'm not. I'm not going to Google it. What I recall is between two point five and and three and a half. That's good. I'll take it. I can't remember if it was like something vigorous, like two point four or something. Nah, I I I feel like it's it's three three to three and a half percent. Yeah. I think is the number. It's probably actually textbook at three and a half percent but so bottom line is that we're well under that pace right now and i think that that's something that the fed is using sort of look at how growth is going fourth quarter growth now first quarter growth nothing looking particularly strong there and as you mentioned uh the the feds made remark about the the strength the continued strength in the job market but Mm -hmm. has to acknowledge that those aren't head of household jobs. Those aren't the jobs that um, That's correct. make America great. I mean, these are a lot of 
service type of jobs, a lot of food and hospitality type of jobs. And so um, a watchful eye there. But the the thing that you cannot take away from the jobs market recently is that it's had growth of over 200,000 jobs a month on average for quite a while now with a, an unemployment rate that's nice and low. The first part of getting head of household jobs is just returning to work, getting all those jobs that we lost replaced, yeah. getting everybody back in those chairs. That's when you start to see the pressure of wage increase, uh, where you need to be able to recruit somebody away from an existing job, or you need to be able to retain an employee away from being recruited because the rest of the jobs in the sector are, are strong and healthy. That's where you see the real wage growth happen. And to be honest with you, I, we've been expecting that for at least a year now, and it's not there yet. So we just keep on watching. Um, but we do see a little bit of uptick in... Um, jobs lately. Let me see if I can find my one of the stats that I clipped here and threw. I, you know, I I deviated from my standard plan a little bit today, and I thought I might regret it. And sure enough, here I am. I made two drafts of my notes instead of merging them into one. Yeah. And so now I'm like trying to toggle between the two, and I'm not doing a very good job. Well, what I would say. What I'd like to add to what you're saying is that the jobs that are being created um, by the tech sector are also filling in a bunch of these new jobs. And what we know about that is that a lot of those, I mean, not all of them, but a lot of those jobs are going to a younger employee who, in the sense, is coming out of college, getting a great job, and also may or may not be ready to enter the home market, may or may not be ready to purchase some of these big, large items that would put stress on inflation. I mean, sure, a gallon of milk is something that everyone buys, and we that's the age-old you know, story of gallon, the gallon of milk is going up, inflation is I at think risk. now you buy two-thirds of a gallon, don't you? Well, I yeah, I don't know. I got, Erica's <laughs> got me getting this organic stuff that comes in a glass. and I, I think it's a gallon is a gallon. But like ice cream, it's uh, yeah. not a quart anymore. I was just it's like one point seven five or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, I'm, by the way, I think is I'm one of a the way higher quality of milk than I ever thought I'd drink in life. So I think that's yeah. a sign of success. Oh, I've seen how you guys live. You have that fifteen dollar a gallon milk. <laughs> if you take the glass back, though, they give you two bucks. <laughs> so it's really like net thirteen. Woo. I mean, oh boy, <laughs> big <laughs> savings there. <laughs> Does that cool your mouth much more when the salsa burn is on? Is that why yeah. you? Have, yeah. <laughs> I don't think the milk matters at that point. Yeah. Some type of milk. Yeah, it's always funny when the person that hasn't eaten that type of salsa before goes for water or punch. I got to tell you this. Oh yes. just, yeah, you're yeah. like, as you, a, you a, need milk, buddy. A funny little tidbit. <laughs> I was at Wes's house a few months back. This this might have been six or eight months ago now. Uh, you know, our great friend Wes Burke, the realtor extraordinaire here that frequents the show, um, he loves hot sauce. You've never seen somebody that can eat the kind of hot sauce this guy eats. He's I from mean, Tejas, isn't he? I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I it's somewhere along the way, the man has burnt the like hot receptor, receptors out of his mouth. <laughs> He ends up with this habanero sauce that uh, I forget if it was store made or not. Pureed um, himself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you'd pull the lid off That's this thing deal. and find yourself gasping for fresh air. Yeah, you you know? might lose your mustache. Or so that. 
an engineering friend of ours comes over and oh what's that well it's some hot sauce you know he grabs a chip and this the is the kind the of scoop, thing where i like some chip. hot stuff yeah, i really do. So do i but you just dip the corner into this thing no more than <laughs> oh probably a good eighth to quarter inch is going to be adequate to get you know a good five minute mouth yeah. burn off this stuff right takes a scoop like it's mild salsa and eats it and um, then the panic sets in. He realizes what he's done. Yeah. Um, the the burn begins to build. He immediately tears open the yeah. fridge and is looking for milk and has found that $15 oh, bottle no. of raw organic yeah. milk. Um, he's not in like his own house, the name by of the way, the cow right? On the glass. This is from Susie. Yeah. Yeah, spins the lid off it and starts drinking from the bottle at a rate that's pouring <laughs> fifty to seventy-five cents a second oh, worth of milk uh, down his shirt as he's like, then grabs a paper towel and is yeah. now wiping the organic raw milk and remnants of salsa off of his tongue with a paper towel and yeah. drinking. It was it was pretty funny. Oh um, my god! Would have been funny with any old milk. I right, think uh, was extra right. funny given that this milk was like <laughs> the you know the nectar premium. of the gods yeah. milk. I had a friend of mine actually too that I, I like hot stuff like you do, and I had some jalapenos mm. and a friend of mine just was like, well, "What does it taste like?" And all this I'm like, "Dude, take a little bit, don't right. bite into it." Well, what does he do? Bites chomp, the chomp. whole chomp chomp, yep. seeds and all. And go. he was like going to the refrigerator. He's grabbing the soda. And I'm like, dude, don't that's, drink that. Get the milk. Help. Get the yeah. milk. And he grabs the soda and starts chugging it. I'm like, I told you. I told you. Yeah. Don't. At that <laughs> so point, you don't even feel bad for them. You're just, just sitting there chugging. watching it happen. Yeah. I'll tell you, one of my really good friends, though, gets hiccups <laughs> from spicy food. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and so he always tries to walk the fine yeah. line of like enjoying some salsa before the hiccups take hold. And once the hiccups start, it's like a 20 minute ordeal of hiccups. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So yeah, that, that's entertaining. Um, yeah. And that, and you know, interest rates and self-employed borrowing will be, <laughs> will, will all come together. Way to get us right back on track. Mm-hmm. Um, and another little piece of data that ties into what we've been talking about here this week, we also got a read on the employment cost index for the month of March. Did you even know there was such a thing? I know you did. I was just teasing. Um, plus 0.6%, which was right in there as expected. Um, whoever, by the way, whoever's doing the, um, what we expect portion of this data set for employment costs, as well as personal income and consumption spending 0.6% as expected on the employment cost consumption and spending was expected at 0.4% and 0.1% and were indeed 0.4% and 0.1% wildly accurate uh in terms of the expectations i see your uh mike is wandering around out there on the stoop so he's got the first time guest walk going sometimes we forget to tell people that the door here is locked and there's nobody (laughs) in the lobby i can go let them in here yeah yeah it's actually an experiment it's a social experiment what we can do is go ahead and get going on the commercial break here we'll go greet this this young man at the door yeah show him to the green room maybe yeah does he deserve a green room does he deserve the green room treatment oh my gosh yeah he's the first time we get all types of perks being on the radio people (laughs) some that you would just not believe 
Yeah, yeah they're hard to believe. Um, <laughs> my favorite perk, I think, is each week the fresh attempt at parallel parking and the cul-de-sac. You know, you kind of got to... Isn't that amazing? It's my, a fun thing. I would give myself a B minus. No. Uh, mm, pretty far. Well, we got a pretty big cul-de-sac. Uh, the positioning of your vehicle suggests that you deserve at least an average grade, and I would have to actually see uh, well, from the approach and how many times it took you sort of forward and reverse uh, kind of jockeying in there to really give you a grade. Yeah. For those who are self-employed, I will touch on the tips before the end of the show today. <laughs> I promise you. No, I do. I want to talk about that as well. I don't I think, think there's it's some... prudent now because I feel like we'll cut it short, but yeah. from 1030 on, Jason and I have got some great info for those who get up every morning, run their own company, and say to themselves, how am I going to get a house? <laughs> <laughs> All the while paying the littlest taxes I can. Right. right. That's the other goal. Right. All right, guys. It's uh, time to do the first commercial break here on the show. Uh, hopefully, you'll take some time and listen to what these advertisers have to say. Um, these are companies that we believe in and work with. They and use. Yeah, and use um, personally and professionally. But these are companies that... Um, have had ads on the show for for quite a while here. They help make the show free to you. So pay attention. If you need their services, reach out to them. Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. I'm a third grade teacher. I'm a school bus driver. I am a parent. I am a teacher's aide. 
and I agree to be identified as a caring adult who pledges to help bullied students. I will listen carefully to all students who seek my help and act on their behalf to put an immediate stop to bullying. I will work with other caring adults to create a safe learning environment for all the students in my school. In my school. In my school. In my school. I'm David Goldberg, Secretary Treasurer of the California Teachers Association. Help us create safe, bully-free learning environments for all students in California. One caring adult can make all the difference. Take the pledge to be that adult at nea.org slash bullyfree. Adults have the power to stop bullying in our schools. It starts with me. It starts with me. It starts with me. Bully-free. It starts with me. A message from the California Teachers Association. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Staying tuned. As I told you in the beginning of the show, our guest has arrived, Mr. Mike Turnquist, who is with the Seventh Level Real Estate Company. Uh, it's affiliated with Keller Williams. He's right here sitting next to me. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you. Thanks for coming on. Um, just before we get you wrapping, I wanted to tell the listeners that you and I had a chance to do a transaction last year with a close friend of ours, uh, a client, and um, I thought it went really well. I thought also what was neat during the transaction is I was able to understand the fact that both you and your wife work in the business together. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, I think that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we love working together. That's great. Not everyone could say that about working with their spouse. Um, as much as they'd love them, I think sometimes going to work is the nicer part of their day. But... <laughs> <laughs> but I would also say it's probably neat. You Speak guys for yourself. I mean, <laughs> I would love to spend 24 hours a day with my wife. I could really think of nothing more to fill my heart than that. So, But does she want to spend 24 hours a day with you, Jason? I don't know. She always encourages <laughs> me to go to work. Yeah. Yes. Aren't you going to get out of here? I don't know if that's a two-way road or what. Yeah, don't you need to go? I made you coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it's in your to-go mug. Get out. <laughs> how does that how how did that all come about mike i'm curious well we actually met at a real estate convention in new orleans okay uh keller williams does a a huge get together every february mm -hmm. and it travels around the country and and she worked for a big team in, out of our pismo beach office and uh i was up in paso and mm -hmm. we had talked on the phone just you know doing business but never really met and we were standing in a drink line, and mm -hmm. uh, it went from there. So we became pretty close friends, you know, for the next couple of years, and uh, and then we decided to work together. And that's great, you know. Yeah, it went from there. Neat, very neat. Uh, I think the real estate business is a great business. It gives you a lot of flexibility. It does demand your time, like any true business, but. It probably gives you guys a lot of time to balance work and life and family, so I think that's neat. I agree. We can, you know, make our own schedules and take the days off that we need to, you know, plan ahead and, 
and make sure everything's covered and uh, we don't miss a lot of stuff with our family. Tell us and the listeners how long you've been in the in the industry, you know, what you like about it, what your focus is, if you could. I'm coming up on 17 years in the business, nice. and uh, I I got started a long time ago with a friend. We were watching an infomercial, and we thought, hey, that looks like fun. Let's let's invest in real estate and get rich quick. And uh, <laughs> right, you know, 17 years quick. Yeah, one of the things was. <laughs> The guy recommended get your real estate license so you can get a discount, you know, instead of commissions and this and yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, And I thought, well, hey, well, why not do this as a career? Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. ended up just falling in love with it mm-hmm. and uh, sticking with it. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's not for the uh, faint of heart. You know, you can be, it's not for the squeamish. You, you really can have, I think one of the things I liked about your approach is that you've are able to forecast challenges that could happen with the subject property or just in general with the seller. Um, because I know our, our client in the transaction we did was their first time home buyers. True. They're, yeah. They're literally looking for us to spoon feed them in some ways. Like here's what's going to happen next. Yeah. You know, it's going to be okay. Yes. <laughs> it's going to happen like this most likely. And so I thought that was neat. Um, not every realtor is, shall I say aware of that responsibility no i i think we see a lot of so-called hobbyists Mm. you know Mm -hmm. um real estate's great you can do this part-time but my personal opinion is if if you're just doing it a couple times a year Mm -hmm. you're missing out on a lot of the stuff that you need to provide to your client let's talk about that for a second because this is one of the things that always gets me riled up um for sale by owners, I mean, we talk about that in a minute. That's like a, it's like one of the worst ideas you ever hear. People that go down that road of wanting to, oh, I'll just those realtors aren't worth thirty thousand dollars of my money, so I'm going to do this myself. Uh, but the other one is, well, I got to use my brother-in-law because, yeah, he works at Radio Shack during the day, but he has a real estate license and is going to help me out. That's that seems wildly reckless to me too. Um, sure, a real estate agent that's working part time like that it's pretty difficult to be um, on top of the the transaction, on top of the market, on top of the forms, on top of uh, everything that goes on. It seems like it's such a fast moving thing. It's beyond me how somebody thinks they could do this. Yeah, any kind of a part time basis. Yeah. Well, true. Us in the industry, I get that. I. I I know what our value is. I know what we contribute to the client. But from a client's perspective, we have done a very poor job of showing what we do and showing our value and how we benefit them. You and mean it, as, as industry of, as a whole? As an industry as yeah. a whole. I, you know, I can't really speak for uh, mortgage professionals, but I know as oh, sure. real yeah, estate yeah. agents, right. we've done a terrible job at being professional and letting the clients know exactly what we do for them yep. and how they benefit from it. Yep. So when a property sells in 24 hours with multiple offers, they're just going to automatically think, okay, great. I can do this myself. Um, you know, and oftentimes we have that conversation with a seller when we sell it really quick, you know, they say, Oh shoot, you know, maybe I should I should pay you less cause it only sold in a week. Right. And I tell them, you know, okay, would you rather, pay me on my results or would you rather pay me on my time 
And then they go, okay, I, I get that. Okay, I'd rather have it selling. Sure. Like that's where the value is to me. <laughs> but on a for sale by owner, they don't know what they don't know. So they right. think that it is easy because all you have to do is put a sign in the lawn and, mm-hmm. you know, who knows, six months later you're getting sued for something. Anything. A- anything. 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 Yep. So, th- I mean, there's there's a lot to it. Yeah, I've always, whenever somebody calls me up, and this happens, I actually had, um, all right, well, I won't even say who, but a really close friend of mine recently said, what do you think about me doing a for sale by owner? Uh, oh my gosh, that is like so reckless. And if I if I was less ethical than I am, I think what I would do would be get out of the mortgage business and then just go buy up for sale by owners and then sue the people that you buy from right afterwards. I mean, you just, you could clean their clock most every single time. It seems wildly risky that a seller would do that because again, like you said, it's one of those things they don't know what they don't know and they don't know the forms and disclosures. They don't know, um, timelines. There's so much they don't know if they're just waiting in something risky, but you know, you, you touch on something interesting. We should talk a little bit more about that, um, about some of that value that a that a realtor um, offers. Those things you do. It's not just um, I'll drive you to two properties and do a couple computer searches for you and then make tens of thousands of dollars. No, I mean the actual searching for homes and emailing homes to clients. It, the computer does a lot of that work. I'm not going to lie to you. That process is very simple, but that's not really where the value is because anybody can go on Zillow or Redfin or whatever and find these same homes. The information isn't sacred anymore. It's out on the the, uh, the internet. Mm-hmm. So w- our job is to process the whole transaction and represent the client so that they get the best deal. They can make the right decisions. Um, Believe it or not, most clients have trouble making decisions. <laughs> they get kind of right. wound up and everything. Right. And, uh, you know, like Mike said, we, we have to kind of say, okay, here's really how this should go. And you make the ultimate decision, but, you know, you got A or B. Sure. Right. You want to pick. Or, or, you know, very realistically, you can sit with them and say, look, what if you're present, if you're representing the buyer saying, look, we've made this request for repairs. And, you know, they don't have to repair all these things. I think that they should repair this and this because of because of the fact that, A, it may affect your loan, or B, it's just the right thing to do. The buyer, if they don't hear that, they're just, they go into, you know, ego mode, which is like, why aren't they doing this stuff for them? I'm win. buying them a house. Yes, I'm I giving have to them get money. Yeah, I have yeah. to win. And you, I think you, in a very calming way, present it, in a different with a different lens well that conversation happens long before the situation even comes about okay so okay you especially with first-time home buyers and maybe you're answering jay's question by answering me is you know the value here that you're adding yeah you have to take that client from the very beginning and really dig deep what's important to them Mm -hmm. what are they looking for Mm -hmm. um you know the the most way real estate agents find their client is they get a phone call and say hey can you show me this home and they just, yeah, sure, I'll be right there in five minutes. And they sh- mm-hmm. open up a door for someone they've never met, don't know what they're doing, don't know what they're looking for, don't know how to serve them right. inside a home that they probably aren't going to like anyway. 
So I, I think that's putting Where's the, the success percentage there? Yeah, it's got to yeah, be Yeah, and it's all just a bunch of hope. Hey, maybe they'll like me. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I'll move forward. But right. you got to start these conversations and set these expectations of the whole process up front. And really, it's about education, mm-hmm. you know, especially with a first-time home buyer. They mm-hmm. don't know what they don't know. So you have to walk them through the whole process and tell them what to expect. Yeah. And you can say, okay, while you're looking through the home and figuring out where you're going to put your Christmas tree and which kids get which bedroom, I'm looking ahead to see, okay, how can I get you what you want? And if that doesn't work, where's plan B and C? Yeah. And you don't even know I'm doing that because yeah. some, most of the time we don't even get there because everything's set up and the expectations are proper where you don't have to reevaluate everything. Understood. It just goes a lot smoother that way instead of trying to wing it. Understood. Yeah. Well, you do something a little bit different. I mean, you're affiliated with Keller Williams. True. Yeah. Um, that's a household name like Bubba Gump Shrimp. And <laughs> and what's seventh level? What is that? A seventh level is our team. Okay. So it's not just me. It, 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 we oh, have good. A, a, a team of people yeah. Yeah. that... Um, Perfect work together i mean there's so many different aspects to the real estate and yep i'm good at some i'm not good at others right like you don't want me taking pictures right right i, right. I use this as an example because we see a lot of <laughs> terrible mls pictures as you're driving by <laughs> <laughs> yeah where you see the car mirror you yeah know, yeah the trash cans or whatever uh, yeah you know i could go on and on about bad photos so i hire a photographer i don't want to take pictures mm-hmm. you know so you have transaction coordinator exactly i don't really i want to spend my time with the with the client and making sure that everything's handled properly and maybe i'll miss a signature or two or, mm-hmm. or an initial on the bottom of a page yeah so i have someone a transaction coordinator that watches all that watches the time frames babysits yeah. the other agents and the lenders and the mm-hmm. escrow officers mm-hmm. uh we we also have another buyer specialist who his only job is to go out and show homes okay the phone calls and show the homes okay you know um so we've broken apart the business so everybody has their own specific job and duty and we all work as a team and it goes very smooth from start to finish and it allows us to, you know, up that level of customer service instead of an agent trying to do everything all at once. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the beginning of the show, I made the comment that I thought that you might still be focused on buyers, but I, I'd probably need to revise that comment. You, it sounds to me like you're more focusing on knowing your market, working with listing uh, listings as the, what would be the seller, but also working with buyers out in the market but predominantly doing listings or? Uh, yeah, my main job on our team is to uh, train everybody and lead everybody um, and also manage the listings. Okay. Um, but every once in a while, you know, we'll come across someone like our, our mutual client that you know, sure. is a good friend of mine. Sure. And I, I'm definitely not going to let anybody else work with a client like that. Of course. You, you know what I mean? There's just if, if my best friend called me and said, hey, I want to go look at homes. I'm in the car looking at homes. And you're the real estate agent that they should call because you don't work at Radio Shack from, what was it, Jay, like 10 to 4? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, well, that's good. I always like having a listing agent on the show because you know data, you know stats about the market. And I don't know if you focus predominantly on North County, but I'd be interested to hear on what your 
view of the market is currently? It, the market's pretty good right now. And everybody said, well, what does good mean? You know, yeah. The price is up. You know, prices are going up. Does that make it a good market? Um, you know, to me, a good market is a market that's moving. And I like how it's fairly predictable right now. We can put a home on the market and pretty much know within a range of how long it's going to take and what it's going to sell for. Mm. And if we want to play with that, you know, can we predict what it will do in the mm. next few months? And mm. I think that's where we're at right now. Inventory is still pretty low. So sellers that have an advantage right now. It's very low. I mean, I would use the word very. What would you say, Jay? Yeah, it's almost a uh, crisis low, I would I would say. If you're talking about um <clears throat> first-time home buyer stuff, inventory, yeah. I mean, that's sparse. It I was going to suggest that we talk about that in in kind of segments of the market because there's some other parts of the market that I think um, and this was, I was driving in today. I was thinking about some questions that I have for you. Um, what is that segment of the market where there's a good buyer opportunity? Um, uh, is it the move up home? Is it the 800 or $900,000 home, the million plus home somewhere in the mix today? There, there is that opportunity. Um, the first time home buyer part of the market, that entry level housing, I think feels pretty hammered. Um, every time something affordable comes on, it seems like it just, people flock to it it's a huge competition and uh tough to win yeah you're in that cash price range still too for most of those young buyers where you know the big bad cash buyer comes in at the end and says no i'll take this thanks <laughs> yeah you really do have very distinct segments of the market the you know 400 maybe mid fours and under anything with a three in front of it flies off the shelf Mm -hmm. you can't keep it you could you could just put it on the market and know that it's going to sell is um, that sfrs only single family res would you say same for condos probably yeah, yeah, yeah. just because the price range yeah the condos sell too yep you know yep it's uh anything in that low end and and that's where we're bumping up against it, it right now is mm -hmm. that affordability mm -hmm. issue yeah, we don't have all the funny money loans that we had in 06, 07, you know, all the subprime fog mirror, I'll give you a $600,000 loan. Right. Um, those don't exist right now. You have to actually qualify, but we're bumping up into who does a first time home buyer, can they afford a $700,000 home? Yeah. Not usually. Yeah. You know, and they, there's just no inventory for that first time home buyer or I mean, someone without a you know, sizable down payment to keep their It's very up. sparse. Yeah. It's very sparse. You can get lucky. Um, yeah. Well, that's an interesting question, Jay. You want to know areas? You think areas that, that these opportunities exist? I mean, Mike, I don't know would that, you be able to say? I don't know say, that I'm after geographically, but just thinking the price range. So I'd, I'm guessing that as you move up the ladder into those move up homes or the, you know, starting to get into the luxury home market, it's probably not quite so cutthroat. No, the inventory is definitely greater. Say you bump up into the five, six hundred thousand. Um, mm -hmm. We have a friend who put her home on the market uh, with a different agent for you know legal reasons and whatnot. Um, and she's only had one showing on her house. It's been on the market for three weeks when you know a lot of the other houses are selling around her in that you know same mid five price range. What do you make of that? It's overpriced. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's overpriced. I was telling this story a few weeks ago. It was actually, it was with Wes and his dad. You know Wes Burke, right? Or at least have heard of him. Yeah. Um, his dad was a real estate guy too, not, not from California, but that was more or less how he got into the business. But a few weeks ago I was in Wes's kitchen with him and his dad and his dad's trying to sell a vacation home that he has in a ski community of New Mexico. And it's been on the market for months. And, um, he said, yeah, you know, I just got to sell this other house and then he's going to buy something here, you know, a condo or something closer to town and, and said, yeah, it's been on the, the market for months and there just hasn't been a lot of activity. And I couldn't help but just laugh and kind of rib him like, it's overpriced. And then they, you know, they laugh because obviously, you know, you're telling real estate agents that their personal listing is overpriced. Um just the irony of it but the the bottom line is they started to make the conversation about um that the economy in that local place was kind of struggling to some degree and i i feel like that even further makes the argument that it's overpriced if the if the whole market seems to be struggling with you know the the basic job income balance type of thing then then you Perhaps you are overpriced or you you don't want to sell in the current climate. Well, he can't change the economy. He right. can only adapt and put his, his property in a position to sell. And if he's stating the, the problem is the economy, sure. okay, you can't change that. What right. can you change? You can change your condition and you can change your price. Yep. You know? So I think it's one of those things, like in their case, it's like there's no need really to sell it's a preference thing because it's just a it's a vacation home anyway it's not income so producing they're just or throwing it out there yeah and probably just looking for somebody that the economy mm. isn't a problem for and they just have to have that property or something whatever but you know anywhere else especially around here in slow county if you've been on the market like that for weeks or months and you're not getting showings um and offers then you probably overpriced I personally think that certain areas of Templeton are great buys right now. I, I do think the Paso Robles wine country is just going to get better, better, better. And I don't know if you guys have been down to parts of Grover Beach slash Northern AG, that markets. I've been doing refinances from people that bought houses two, three, four years ago. And there's they've seen a 30% increase in what they bought, from what they bought the house for. So there's just so much... Um, in this county, there's so many little pocket areas that have that you know. If a first-time home buyer went in and stretched themselves to get the four fifty, four seventy-five, five hundred thousand dollar home, could be a good buy right now. I think I personally think that those two areas. I'm not a realtor, but I think that I've seen the numbers on those areas. I've seen appraisals, Mike, come back like, wow, we thought I was going to appraise for four sixty, we got a five hundred five appraisal value. What about yeah. like uh, where you have like Grover Beach is like working on the infrastructure of the streets, mm-hmm. things like that. Like, uh, actually, to anybody that doesn't know, actually, bulldozers start moving on Oak Park on Monday. So they're starting to fix that. Oak Park, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's been a real problem. So what about, like, where they're... they're does that have, does that come into play where they're, they're working on the infrastructure and they're trying to upgrade the city and... Um, what are your thoughts on that, Mike? I mean, from an appraisal standpoint, we address things like busy streets can adjust the value of a home, but really we're not saying like 
bulldozers and better now, streets are, are to come. Are you talking about like short term? You know, this is going to be a nuisance for a couple of months. No, or? I'm just saying whether they're, they're trying to, like the city is trying to upgrade itself. Like Grover passed the bond to work on its streets and work on its infrastructure and and improve the city. So, are you seeing? Would you see any sort of like? Um, change in real estate values because of that i i think it's really difficult to put a finger on okay well they're going to fix the street and it's you're going to see a you know two percent increase this year because of that street sure. i don't really think you can you know uh, pinpoint that but i think anytime you make the city better mm -hmm. it your values are going to help it drives more attention. Yeah. People right. start driving with you to go see that house and say, oh. Yeah, the more roads. you, when you're driving around and you don't go, oh, I, I feel Why like. Why are they doing that? I feel yeah. like things like that um, for me are, are similar to, let's say that you and I own condos next door to one another, right? Mm -hmm. This is kind of the difference between living in Grover or oceano or wherever we might be close to each other mm -hmm. um but people say that, oh i'm gonna put in these granite countertops so i spend seven thousand dollars and i put granite countertops in my condo and then you don't you still have that mm -hmm. cheesy white tile that makes your kitchen look old and mine looks good and now we're both gonna sell mm -hmm. i don't feel like i'm in the market i don't think i'm getting seven thousand dollars over you for mm -hmm. the granite that I put in, mm -hmm. but I think I'm going to be the one that sells, right? If we're equal in every other way, yeah. And I'm that's what tips the scale in my favor is that I've got some attribute or some condition or something that you just lack. Mm -hmm. It might not get me extra money, but it's going to make me the one that sells. And I think that's a difference in those things like that where mm -hmm. um, the roads and infrastructure or like you know they're doing a lot of there's various parts of the county where they're putting in like medians and mm -hmm. better landscaping doing you know i redevelopment district i think has mostly run out of steam around here lately but um, Atascadero benefited from that pretty greatly and it attracted a bunch of new businesses and mm -hmm. sort of just starts to kind of change the overall vibe of the place to where again i don't know that necessarily makes it worth more money but it makes it compete better in the market against the other things that are out there mm -hmm. you see that mike when when someone sparkles up their kitchen you see multiple offers or there's a bit more sizzle yeah and we have this conversation with people all the time hey i want to put in new windows you know i want to you know put in granite countertops and and they'll ask us all the time well if i spend five grand on this am i going to get it back and in some of the things you will i i think if you spend seven thousand dollars on granite countertops you know maybe you overpaid for countertops but uh <laughs> I, I well think they're right. big it's it's a really big kitchen it's a giant kitchen yeah yeah and and, and really nice granite <laughs> got veins in it I some mean, people are into the retro look so you might have just done <laughs> yeah. something you shouldn't have done could have scared <laughs> you, you know? off huh? yeah. but you anytime know? a buyer's looking at a home and they got two identical <laughs> floor plans and one's got granite ones you know yeah they're doing the calculations in their head and and the nicer unit the cleaner unit is is going to sell it's going to sell faster Sure. So you may not make up for it in necessarily sales price, but you're going to make up for it in days on market, yeah. which could equal thousands of dollars as well. Sure. Yeah. You know, or uh, if you have a skilled negotiator on your side, you know, those are all great bullet points to uh, negotiate your sales price where the, the condo next to you, 
you know, maybe that buyer's going to hammer on you and, you know, you're not going to get as good a sales price in that negotiation. Sure. Because of that. That's good. I mean, that's all good input. I, I think what I'm not anywhere near trying to sell my house, but I think, you know, all there's got to be someone listening right now that's thinking about what am I going to do next? Um, I'm getting ready to sell my house. If you want to ask questions, you know, you don't have to disclose your name, where you live, what your phone number is, but call into the show here. Um, we're going to go to a commercial break pretty soon here. Are we going at the top of the hour in two minutes? Okay. I'll keep talking. So <laughs> the, uh, the number to call in if you got questions for Mike, a realtor here that is specializing in listings but also helps buyers, the number is 543-8830. That's 805-543-8830. Or you can call in at 800-549-5832. So, Mike, I, I wanted to ask you, um, in, in the current market right now with the sellers that you're working with, how often is the down payment an in, in issue? And are we sellers comfortable selling their house to find a suitable replacement I and mean, what's the climate like in that case uh can you ask that again what do you mean well by the down payment? for example like i get these calls about a guy who he wants to get pre-qualified to buy a house and he uh, wants to buy a six hundred thousand dollar house but he, his down payment is the equity in his existing house so he doesn't he doesn't have a good way but to go ahead and sell his house and, and find the new house right on the heels. So that the, you're talking about the timing of it. How do you sell first? Did you buy first? And, and you know, you don't want somebody to be homeless. Right. Right. So yeah, you can tie the, the escrows together and make the contingency of, well, is that pretty common right it now? Is, it is. People are moving up, moving around a lot. Yeah. Um, and you know, you just have to accept that too, as a listing agent. You know? Yeah, it's it, going to be some of that domino effect going on within the transaction. Yeah, after the break, I'd love to tell you a story about the craziest domino deal we've ever done. Oh, well, we we can't wait to hear about that. <laughs> I mean, we probably, I don't know that we'll one up you, but we'll definitely want to hear it. All right, we've got a a whole another hour here. Mortgage matters. We're going to have Mike Turnquist with us for another half an hour. So if you guys are. Uh, interested in sticking around we'd love to have you mike threw out the phone numbers we'd love to answer your questions and offer custom help to you so stick around after this short break for more mortgage matters you're listening to mortgage matters with host dan and jason from central coast lending if you want to join the conversation call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832 now here's dan and jason Everybody, welcome back. Would you believe it if I told you that this was already the end of April? I no. would not. It's April 30th. Can you believe that? That's yeah. crazy. Yesterday, one of the commentaries that I read, you know, daily, just keeping up with topics for the show and news and what's happening. Um, the guy started out by saying, it's the last day of April. Um Goes, sure goes by fast, huh? You yeah. Know, especially the older you get. I know. And it reminded me of a saying that I thought you'd just get a kick out of. What's you that? know, so, um, <laughs> time time is like a roll of toilet paper. 
it, it, it goes by faster when you're getting close to the end. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a year when you're 10 is like yeah. forever. Yeah. Okay. You're in your 30s and you're like, man, here we go again. It's already the yeah. first of the next month. Yeah. It's a when, you 10, when you were 10, you used to, someone used to fold it into a triangle for you. But now when you're 30, it's just... No, buddy. We didn't have any servants in my house growing no. up. This guy's from Palo Alto. You, you didn't think, have the little goose? He thinks goose? we all you had somebody folding toilet yeah, paper no. for you didn't us? Have the swan? I only see that at a hotel. No. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was good for me when we finally had like a bathroom door that shut. I didn't have a servant folding origami in my toilet paper. Uh, it's probably good guy. for everybody I'm else in the bad house, too. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Mr. Palo Alto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Back on topic. Uh, I keep, by the way, I keep wanting to call you Mike Linquist because a friend of mine growing up was named Mike Linquist. So now I'm that's not me. Quickly retooling myself that that's um, why he's blinking like that. The Mike, <laughs> the, the Mike de jour here is Mike Turnquist. Turnquist with a T. Yes, here yes. and now. Perfect. All right. So before the break, you teased us with um, a, a a story that I, I mean, and now my this is basically like the Titanic. There's enough hype around it that I'm sure to be disappointed. Um, but you have a story here about a domino <laughs> closing that I'm going <laughs> to... Well, you guys remember the Titanic movie, right? Yeah, everybody kind of knows what happens in the end with the well, Titanic. Well, now I don't want to disappoint you. <laughs> I, well, you, but you have I'm no pre- choice now. Yeah. Dance monkey. Pretty proud of the story. <laughs> so l- let me make an initial disclosure that this is was a one-time... Uh, transaction that, that never been, you know, this Duplicated. not representative of your normal way of doing this. Business. Doesn't ha- this has never happened again, and it, and it probably will never happen. It it there was a lot of things that went into it that allowed it to happen. One, I had some of the greatest clients ever. They listened to what I said, and they knew the risks involved in their decisions. And they kept their eye on the prize and closed it. All right. When most normal people would have bailed out long before they they did. And now they're sitting in a house with probably $100,000 of equity that's been, you know, and they're loving it. It's their dream house. So good preface. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. I got my popcorn. I'll see you. I'm ready. It all started as a referral uh, from a friend. He worked with a buddy and he had this house in San Miguel. And uh, so I had probably been talking to this guy for a year and a half or so. He was like, well, I'm fixing up my house. What should I do to it? Um, We would check pricing, you know, every three months or so um, for well over a year. And he finally said, okay, you know, we're, we're ready. I've got the house almost done. I only have a couple more weekends of work. So I start emailing him listings and talking about stuff. And we spent a couple of months in the car looking. And uh, we had a really good idea what he's looking for. And somehow we found this REO property, this foreclosure that wasn't on the market yet. And uh, we went and checked it out before it had come on the market and they the cleanup crew was still cleaning i mean this was hammered this was one of those properties where we're surprised they didn't flush cement down the toilet i mean they took 
all the appliances. Right. It, I mean, it was gross. Electrical faces, the little uh, everything, yeah, little things. It was just absolutely disgusting. Sense. I mean, they yeah. took baloney and threw it under the carpet. Put some holes in the wall and drop sardines. You've done this down before. In there. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, the baloney. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows the baloney. I mean, so it was in a great location. It was on a couple of acres. It allowed them to, nice. you know, uh, have the toys and the, you know, the room and the space. They had a little boy who's just every time I met him, he was running everywhere he goes. <laughs> Run so pool. he wanted some space, you know. <laughs> um, so I I found out who the listing agent was going to be. You know. It's, You've been around long enough. You know who lists these types of properties. And uh, we found out that it was coming on the market at a price that we didn't expect. When we first looked at the problem, so this is going to be in the low fours. Um, it's going to be out of your price range, even in its condition. You, you know, So when it came on the market at 350 somewhere around 350 it was too good of a deal to pass up. So, and and... The odds were against us. His house was not on the market. He still had a couple weekends of work. Um, and we just found out that his wife didn't have a job, that she needed a job. She's been looking for a job for six months. So we had all these things against us. All signs say go. Go for it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what exactly. I said. As a loan officer, I'm like, this. do you want your pre, pre-approval letter now? Yeah. <laughs> this is sounding great. So, all right. And this was all over Christmas holiday. Perfect. So oh, naturally. Um, <laughs> you know, and I told him, I said, okay, well, now that the the – the bank, the bank that owns this isn't going to look at a contingent offer. So not only is your house not ready and your wife doesn't have a job, we can't tie these two deals together. They will never accept your offer. So, and I said, you're going to have, I'm going to build in some contingency periods that'll give you time to fix your house, this and that. I can't control whether your wife gets a job or not. Um, but, you know, worst case scenario, you back out of this deal before your, your, your contingency period is up. Yeah. But you gave it a shot, and there's so much upside to this. What, what do you have to lose? Sure. So they said, okay, great. You know, um, next week, put the house on the market. A week later, we have it sold with a fantastic buyer. Um, so we thought, you know, it turns out the buyer was great. And everything was lining up. I had contingency periods built into all of it. So it was really aggressive, and all the timelines matched up. Well, when it come, came time for the house in San Miguel to sell, the, the loan docs never showed up. They were promised. They didn't show up. Lender disappeared. I mean, it was a nightmare. And come to find out that the lender had miscalculated their income on mm -hmm. a USDA loan. Mm -hmm. So now they made too much. Mm -hmm. And it's... It, to me, and I'm not, you know, part of your guys' process, but I'm like, but isn't that something you do on day one? We'll answer that after yeah, the story. Yeah, and it just seemed like, okay, so this loan officer didn't know how to read a tax return, and now everybody's hopes and dreams were in line. Um, luckily, the buyers had some money, and they were able to switch loan programs and uh, end up purchasing it. But by this time, we had yeah. to ask for an extension from the REO, we need more time to close. And they had signed loan docs already oh. on the purchase. Okay. So the REO, not knowing they have to sell something, is saying, Why do you sign need more loan time? Docs. Why do you need more time? Okay, sure. we'll give you another week. And we were told we only needed a week. A week went by really fast. And sure that. Just like toilet paper. 
<laughs> it's yep. going fast near the end. Yeah. So no folding little triangles. We had a problem at this point, and it was all tied to the buyer's lender. Yep. The the head domino. Yep. Um, that was just completely incompetent. It had no bu- has no business Lo- being in the is business. Is that a local lender, by the way? It is. Yeah. Still I, open. I have no idea. I haven't stocked him since, but it, you know, um, I'd be real hesitant to accept a prequel from him again. <laughs> I'm um, pretty sure the, it'd be like a Dirty Harry scene where you just face off outside the saloon, uh, <laughs> and that whistling music comes in. You know, <laughs> <laughs> are you the loan officer? <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So I mean, the 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 buyer's agent was in his face at all times, and you know, so. Uh, th- I had one conversation with him, and it wasn't real pleasant. Um, but uh, eventually... Yeah, because you've orchestrated all of this. I set it all up, and it wasn't working out because of one little, small, little piece. Everything else was working out great. Um, and here's where my clients are amazing. They were so frustrated with the whole thing. They, But still... They went back to their lender and decided, figured out a way somehow where they didn't need to sell the house to close on the new house. Mm. Even though they knew there was a risk that they would be owning two houses, you know, say we had to put it back on the market, cancel and and whatever. They did some fundraising, um, you know, made some phone calls and, and found the down payment to purchase the new house. Their lender, uh, redid their loan. They signed new loan docs and they closed on it. Um, ahead of their sale in San Miguel. And that eventually worked out too. Um, Pre-trid. <laughs> no. No, this was post. Really? Yeah, this was uh, beginning of the year this year. But the icing on the cake is at the San Miguel house, the next offer was more than the previous offer. And no. So, no. We ended up, st- the, that buyer ended Boo. up closing. <laughs> um, and the buyer of their house, you know, that they did what it took. It was just that one little piece of the puzzle that messed everything up Mm -hmm. because he didn't know how to read a tax return. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, I guess since we're the loan guys, we could address that real quick. Um, Interesting thing about USDA. So for the most part, if I were, and if I, let's picture I'm lending your guys' money, right? So you, you take your inheritance, your life savings, everything you have, and you give it to me and you say, hey, I want you to figure out how to loan this money out, but don't lose it, right? You know, be careful. So most every loan program that we have um, does an income calculation that's as conservative as it can possibly be. And what I mean by this is we'll take a two-year average of your self-employed income where, you know, maybe two years ago you were, um, I don't know, your business is the Trump hat, make America great again. So two years ago you made like chicken scratch, and then this last year you've been killing it. Uh, all these people are buying your hats, and it's just good good time for your business. We take a two year average, trying to kind of smooth out those inconsistencies in income. Um, we do that with all types of income, whether it's investment income, commission, overtime, all these different things. We're always trying to take the most conservative road we possibly can. On USDA, we do those conservative calculations like that, 
Uh, but then we also have to do the most liberal calculations that we can do all the way down to this. You've never had overtime on your existing job. And now this last week, your paycheck stub shows up and you've got four hours of overtime. So now we're going to be saying, well, you're going to get four hours of overtime every week forever. And so we add all of that in. And basically what we're trying to do is make sure that you don't exceed the maximum income threshold for that program. Because the way it works, the way it's funded, is it's for low-income people in rural areas. So it's a trip. And this is why most loan officers aren't very good at that program because they don't know that. They go, oh, look, you just add up the pay stubs and the W-2s and the income's 79000 and we're good to go. And then the underwriter gets it a little bit further. And the underwriter, by the way, there are incompetent underwriters, too, that would look at this and go, oh, looks good, and, and give it yep. their stamp of approval. That's true. But USDA loans typically go before your USDA office right before they fund. And the USDA office, they know better. They they do look well and make sure that everyone's calculations were um, – that they were adequate, that they weren't turning a blind eye to some income that wasn't expected to continue or, or deemed abnormal or something. And, and that's where those things can kind of pop in the end. Um, USDA loans, by the way, are getting less and less common now. Uh, just because of the debt-to-income ratio restrictions and the income restrictions, property values locally Correct. are starting to exceed kind of where the USDA loans can reach for the most part. I mean, if you're you're talking property in San Miguel or something where there's still you know a chance at finding something affordable in the 300s, then um, it might work for places like that. But that's how those kind of things happen. And, um, yeah, it, it makes it tough when you find out late in the game that that somebody can't can't qualify based on you know something that they've made a lot of progress and people start making other plans yeah too many things with this deal just went right i mean house selling him fixing it up wife found a job she actually had multiple job offers when we needed it to i mean it it was like a divine intervention say hey this is going to work you know you 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 guys are going to be repaid for your you know uh, aggressive ahead thinking you know yeah a token to your forecast but also imagine i can only imagine the level of like uh stress and conflict management that went into that deal you probably weren't compensated enough thank you <laughs> i i have uh if i'm being perfectly honest i've had situations where you know this the the buyer and the seller are in in full agreement everyone's saying what let's do this and there's a situation that is still pending because the bank that's wiring 300 400 500,000 dollars into escrow and is rightfully going to own this property with our new buyer has one or two things they need to have seen cleared and i'm getting it cleared but the third party's working on it and that's a process where you just have to say to everyone look I'm going to be very transparent. This is what's happening. Um, in a real world situation, we all are still in agreement like we were in the beginning. Let's just ride this thing out. It's not that we're not getting a loan. It's just that we're trying to figure something out because well, that's the thing. somebody involved in this transaction at the round table has a question that we need to solve. That's the thing about real estate and lending, I think, where um, 
people forget that if this is real life stuff and there's a lot of moving parts and millions I mean, of moving parts. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, no matter how much we try to be proactive and do a really good job and turn over all those rocks and counsel our clients on the things not to do, I can't tell you how many times. You know, it, it, some somebody does something in the middle of a transaction. Like, for example, one time I, had, I was doing a loan for a buddy of mine, um, and he was already sort of, you know, dissatisfied at work kind of thing. And it's like two days away from closing escrow. We've already signed docs. We're ready to close escrow. He gets into it with his boss and quits and walks out on the spot. And it's like, wow, okay. Nobody anticipated that. And then, of course... There, you know, everyone in the transaction now has to figure out how to pick up the pieces and deal with that. Is this thing dead? Is this guy going to get another job? It's going to take a week to find out. If he gets that new job, we got to have a paycheck stub from that new job. So now we need a two-week extension for an escrow that's supposed to close on Tuesday. And, it like, the wheels start to come off pretty quick. So there's there's always those things that, that happen. Um, and, and, by the way, I wanted to take just a quick minute here because this came up for me twice this week. Um, I just want to remind all people that uh, it, when you're doing a real estate transaction that has loan, in, any type of financing involved, um, do not go open new credit during that trip. Um, we have a disclosure that goes out with our initial loan disclosures that tells people we are enrolling them in a credit monitoring service. And what it means is we see you if you go to home depot and open up a new home depot credit card or you stop off at santa maria toyota and buy yourself a new car we get alerted of that and then we'll have to take that into consideration and um, sometimes it knocks you out of qualifying or that new inquiry will lower your credit score below what you need for the program or something it happens a lot um, so those are the kind of things that um, just if you're involved in a transaction, refrain from that. It seems like no matter how often we tell people that, um, they don't listen. But I got the Home Depot card to fix up my new kitchen. Yeah, it was zero. Though I needed a fridge, and it was zero percent financing. So yeah. But you know what happens there? Like especially they've signed their closing docs, and they're going to close on Tuesday. Um, so today's Saturday, so we go to Home Depot, and that fridge is on sale today. Um, in fact, Only for, yeah, today. and for this weekend, if you buy three appliances, they're giving you 20% off the whole thing. So next thing you know, you find yourself in line there, um, needing a truck. So here's what happens on Monday. <laughs> here's what happens on Monday is I get the little alert that, um, you've run credit at home Depot and now I need to, I need to get something from you. And so here's what the underwriting guidelines require. Um, your most recent statement evidencing the balance and payment. So let me ask you this. So you opened up a Home Depot card on a Saturday. Do you think you're going to be able to produce that on Monday morning? No. No. You're going to call Home Depot on Monday morning frantically. Oh, my God, I ruined my escrow. And Home Depot goes, well, we're going to put together that statement for you in about a month. And then you'll have that statement. And now you're on the phone with the manager of the Home Depot billing department begging for a bill that can be processed for a transaction that happened 72 hours ago. It's a nightmare. Believe me, it happens. Um, so don't do that if you're involved in a loan transaction. Don't get new credit. Don't co-sign your kid's car loan. Yep. Uh, all those things. Um, hey, we don't have much more time with you here, Mike. But earlier in the show, we... I mentioned um, for sale by owners, and 
Um, I, I wanted to talk with you just a little bit about that because I know as a real estate agent, particularly somebody that focuses on listings, it's got to be something that you have an opinion on. True. And, and can you imagine if you were these people as a for sale by owner? No. Like, can I, I don't think you'd be moving. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. There's... You wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even have the experience of all of the prior problems where you draw from potential solutions. Yeah, right? yeah. But it, you know, it, it is possible to sell your home by owner, and and we do have some tools that are available to, uh, you know, for sale by owners on our website if they want to check them out. Um, our opinion is is hey, let's help these people. And if they're successful, great. And we did a good job and, and maybe save them some money. And, um, uh, but if they do need help, we want to make sure that we've helped them and, and, you know, maybe they'll call us at, at that point. You cool. Know, if they do decide to That's kind of like the flat tire repair. It, true. Yeah. All the tire shops in town will do flat tire repair for you, typically for free. Because if they, you know, do you a solid when you're not intending to pay them, <laughs> when you need those tires next time, maybe you'll come back. Yeah. yeah. I assure you that they're selling you tires after you they fix your flat. Usually they're like, you know, your tires could go at any moment. <laughs> you might could not, be tomorrow. You might not know could this. Be four I months worked from now. at Tire Pros for a little while in college. Okay. That's a dirty back-breaking job, by the way. And just as an interesting aside, next time you guys want to tip your waitress a buck for bringing you that $2 cup of coffee and then want to stiff the tire guy that just broke four tires and installed and balanced four tires on your oversized truck, no tip. I mean, that. come on, guys. You got to tip oh, your is that tire etiquette? guy. Is that, I didn't you know that. You should. Yeah, man. That's hard work. That's hard, dirty work. You should have to work a day in a tire yard if you want to know what hard work is. That'd be fun. I dis. I think uh, I would enjoy I that. Agree. But you I can. Disagree. But on a uh, yeah, says the guy with the origami toilet paper. Yeah. Um, I've got to stay. I got to stay true. <laughs> you can't repair a sidewall, and if there's not a minimum amount of tread, you can't legally repair even in a tread puncture. Which mm. in which case you would have to buy a tire. But usually that like we would install a used tire for somebody if they got a flat and couldn't afford new tires and their flat couldn't be fixed there's a tire laying around to help somebody that needs it mike in addition to your information you shared with us and the listeners today it was uh, just it was nice having you on the show very comfortable speaking with you i i can only imagine that that carries right into your relationship with clientele um before we let you leave and get ready for your um, the rest of your weekend is there anything else you'd like to say in parting and give our listeners ways to reach you and contact you uh just thanks for having me on the show um this was uh, a lot more fun than i thought it would be uh, well, it, you're welcome I, I guess honestly i was a little nervous about coming in here sure. but yeah um, nobody listens anyway it's well, just us these two guys <laughs> those two guys <laughs> and they're quiet yeah yeah um you can uh check out everything you you want to know about our uh our team seventh level real estate at keller williams realty um our web address is www.7thlevelre.com. So that's the number 7, T-H, levelre.com. We just put together a new website and uh, um, a lot of great information on there. We're really putting a lot of uh, – definitely subscribe to our Facebook page where we post a lot of uh, great articles and blogs and uh, keep everybody in the know on what's going on so that if they aren't 
available to listen to the radio program. They can still, you know, catch out all the good information. Um, great. I I know we're technically out of time because it's ten thirty, but I I feel like technically this is my show, so if I want to spend a few extra minutes, I can. I'm just dying to know though. I know you said seventh level is your team and stuff, but um, are you at all nervous that somebody's going to come right behind you with eighth level and get you? No, no. <laughs> I mean, how did you guys name seventh the level? The name came from the the guy it's who like five minute abs, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the guy Six who opened up. Keller Williams Realty, his name is Gary Keller. He wrote a little real estate book called The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. Um, inside KW, we call that the Red Book. Um, some call that the Real Estate Bible, whatnot. Um, it's easily one of the greatest books that I've ever read. I'm uh, currently on the fifth or sixth time through. I'll, I'll admit I listen to it in the car now instead of read it. Sure. Um, but we get more and more out of it. Uh, basically, the seventh. There are different levels that he talks about in real estate. Uh, a level one agent is just a one single agent doing everything all on their own, balancing everything, doing all the paperwork. Um, and at the seventh level, that uh, that company is now an official. It's a. It really is a company that runs itself. That you could probably, if you wanted to, sell it, much like a doctor. Mm. sells his practice or an attorney sells mm -hmm. their book of business or whatnot um it's just that upper level of professionalism and where everybody's on the team and there's this synergy and there's this culture within uh nice. a, a real estate team and um you know i just said hey i want to i want to take this business to the seventh level and it was really easy to find the name for our team at that point sure and, uh, and you're well, the look at that. now i'm glad i asked yeah i yeah. really am yeah, and plus seven is is a really good number, right? It is. Yeah, unless yeah. you're playing craps. Well, depends well, which side of craps, out, I guess. Yeah, yeah. If you're starting to roll. All right, so Mike, thanks again um, for being with us. And just one more time, real quick, a phone number for somebody that um, likes what they're hearing and wants to reach out to you today. Okay, our phone number is eight zero five five nine one eight one zero seven eight zero five five nine one eight one zero seven and our uh, website is seventhlevelre.com. Awesome. All right, guys. Terrific. We're going to do the uh, commercial break here. we got a couple minutes to so go uh, water the dog, grab some fresh coffee, whatever you need to do. We'll be back in a couple minutes with another half hour of Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. The state of denial is a drag and a trial when i bought my cheap insurance should have known this day would come now i've had an accident and i'm feeling quite alone called them at least 20 times but they won't pick up the phone without personal service my policy's kind of worthless get to a better state state farm switch to state farm and you can save to find out more in san luis obispo call agent susan rodriguez 
Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-HOME. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Dan said the first time that you played this song on the show that we pronounce his name wrong. Farrell. Farrell Williams. Farrell. Farrell. <laughs> yeah. The more you start saying that, the weirder it's going to sound. Yeah. That's a fun Farrell. little game, huh? The voice. Farrell? Yeah, Farrell? Like a feral cat? I thought it was Farrell. No, Farrell. I don't know. Farrell. Farrell. No, it's Farrell. He, goes, he calls Farrell. Farrell. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mike. Maybe we can say it a couple more times. He's on the Farrell, voice. Farrell. 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 Yeah. Farrell, 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 Farrell. <laughs> he's Farrell. mostly a producer, but he's got a couple of hits out there. Yeah, right? I see him on the voice. He's terrific. He's yeah. super talented. Very yeah. nice. He's like one of the nicest guys. Like very uplifting. Mm. Yeah, Farrell. Watch out. watch out for those guys. That guy, Farrell. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Okay. And on coming the from the Department <laughs> of Things that are two weeks late. Mike wants to talk about self-employed people and how they file income taxes. Well, I think it's prudent to say oh, you we're actually 50 weeks early. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's prudent to say that most self-employed people don't do their taxes right in January like us W-2 people do. They have to find a way. I mean, they might, but most of the time they find a way to get around and complete that profit and loss statement come March late March, early April, then they get a chance to meet with their accountant and file. An extension, hopefully. An extension, if they're in lucky. In this case. Um, but truthfully, what they all realize is that they play this game that most borrowers don't play, which is they have the ability to receive revenue, 
write off all types of business expenses and have a net income. Now that they pay taxes on that net income, and so many people that help them with their taxes or talk about their business influence them to have as many expenses as you can that are legitimate so that your net income is one that is lower to therefore have a lower tax liability. Would you disagree with me there, Jay? No, but you're, you said that in a, in a long winded version. Yeah. I sort of felt political and maybe a little bit lawyer ishy. Um, what you, what you said simply is that self-employed people take the opportunity to make their income appear much lower than it is to lower their, uh, their tax liability. That's how I'd summarize it anyway. Okay. Um, this happens especially in cash-based businesses. We see a lot of it. But, Correct. you know, whenever we get going on this conversation, I always like to be real careful to tell people that um, I, I'm never going to suggest that you misrepresent your income to be more or less for whatever your motive is. I think it's important um, to be honest and, and to, to report these things as they're intended to be reported. That being said... Um, I, three accountants ago, (laughs) three accountants ago, I was told by my then accountant, um, in question as to whether an expense was a legitimate business expense or not. And the answer that I received was the IRS wants you to consider them your business partner. And if, and so then ask that question in that way. So in other words, um, if you're my business partner and I went out and played golf with Jim and, uh, yeah, sure. We, we talked business, you know, with air quotes, wink, wink, nod, nod. We talked business. And, um, then on that 19th hole, we, you know, I bought a couple pitchers of beer and we hung out and, and talked business. Right. So I turn in my receipt for that as a write-off. Um, if you're my business partner, you'd look at that and go, come on, Jason. I know what happens when you talk business at golf. You sell you're, you're basically trying to, to sneak an expense in against me that um, I don't think is a legitimate expense. Versus if if I scheduled a business meeting with you where we went to lunch and we sat down, you and I, for the purpose of discussing business, um, that's something that your partner or the IRS would be a little more comfortable with. Sure. So I think the reality of it is here that oftentimes self-employed people are stretching what they would deem a qualified business expense. I think you need to ask Jim in between hole three and four when you write down his score what his FICO score is and then <laughs> start getting more information to complete a loan app personally. There you go. But so, yeah, if you were to do it in that way, yeah, the interpretation of the tax law is is up to the taxpayer. And I think that as all we're doing today, I think it's beautiful that you did this, Jay, preface this conversation is we want to give you tips, self-employed borrowers, that will allow you to, when legitimate expenses have occurred, how to how the underwriters of the mortgage world look at those expenses. Yeah. Um, I want to talk also about how the underwriters of the mortgage world look at your assets. You may be thinking, I've got three hundred. in assets on my balance sheet in my business, I'm going to use that money for my deposit. It's not in my personal account. 
there could be some issues there. And then one of the last tips I want to talk about, and and Jay, I'm really glad you're on the show because I know you're going to be able to speak more intelligently about this. But the fact is that some self-employed borrowers can show one year of tax returns. They don't, sure. They don't, and it and there's a caveat to that. There's a distinct explanation that goes with that. I had already so we'll put that. a pin in that. I was going to share that at the end of this conversation anyway. Well, I mean, it's so, 1040. We got to tell them what's coming. Otherwise, they might run to, to Walmart now. Yeah. So uh, quickly, just understanding, I want to throw out something that I think most of my self-employed buyers have never known. And when I tell them, a light, go, a light bulb goes on. You have an operating account credit card. You use this credit card during the month to pay for things that you do in your business. Let's say you're a limo driver. You have a couple limos and you get gas for the limos. You buy car washes. tires, car washes. You do um, a new battery. Yeah, you get the water. Air freshener. You get the, maybe if you're licensed to do so, you get the champagne and the ice. I get those purple lights inside to set the mood just right. Those yeah. purple LEDs that... Look yeah. real nice. Rest in peace, Prince. You get his new soundtrack because it's prudent right now. Sure. And then you personally write that bill off. You pay it through your personal bank account. Well, get this. If you were to do all those things for your business, legitimate expenses like we just talked about, and then you have a separate bank business, that separate bank account makes the payment to pay off your credit card debt or even maybe, let's say, the car loans on the limousines for a consistent 12 months. And we can show the underwriter that the that separate business, that bank account is responsible for those payments that would show up on your credit report, Mr. Borrower. And the business can still stay in the black. You have an opportunity to, to really remove some expenses from your debt to income ratio when you go to borrow. Sure. And I think that's so beautiful because what a lot of people do is they don't delineate bank accounts. They don't delineate books, if you will, between their personal business, when it's a small self-employed company and their company's business, you commingle the funds. We call it left pocket, right pocket. You know, you, you don't give yourself a paycheck because I just take whatever's left in the business and I take that. Well, I think one of the things you need to do if you're a self-employed borrower and you just pay taxes and you're asking yourself, how am I going to get a better tax write-off and buy real estate? Be a great opportunity during the week. Jason and I are available at 543 Loan. Talk to both of us about how you can um, properly set up your books in a in a way that the mortgage world will reward well, this you. Is why, this is why we're always telling people to get pre-qualified. I mean, even if you don't, you don't think you're going to be buying a house in the next 90 days, um, Sometimes, you know, some you might want to have a year or two or three year plan on that where you can get those ducks in order and mm-hmm. make sure that you are doing expenses a way that's going to get the benefits that you deserve. Yep. Um, make sure that you have things in the right columns and things that are very clear. You know, like you brought up, for example, the credit card thing. A really common one is the car loan where yep. the... Um, if, if you are a small business owner and you just pay the car loan off of your personal checking account and then at the end of the year, you back out 12 months worth of car payments out of the income of the company and you say, well, I, 
technically is like a reimbursement for me because my business makes my car payment. That's all good. And that's going to fly with the IRS. That's, that's going right. to be great. We can't count that income for you because you paid that with your personal funds. Whereas, like you said, if it was going through a business account or even a separate account, that was like a reimbursement type of account where we can show that, oh, hey, look, this these funds were paid from this account because that's a those are bona fide business expenses. Then we can remove that car payment from your personal debt to income ratio. Um, the other thing that people oftentimes don't realize is that if you're a Schedule C self-employed person, on your Schedule C, there's a couple items on there for depletion and depreciation. Great point, yeah. Depletion is not very common. Um, depreciation is quite a bit more common. So, you know, in this example, let's say I'm a, a, a photographer, and I have invested quite a bit of money in um, computers, digital cameras, developing, um, you know, different machines for printing different types of uh, mediums. And, and so anyways, I, I put all this money into, yeah, maybe a drone. I put all this money into these things and then they're depreciating. They're going down over time. That's right. Um, we always have the choice as a business owner to buy something as a one-time expense where we write it off then and there at the time of purchase, or we can choose to depreciate an item over time based on its useful life. Yep. And one thing about depreciation, so again, this is a strategy. For example, you know, you need to go buy a new limo, and that limo is $70,000. Business has been good. You've saved 70000 bucks. You can go buy that limo this year for $70,000, um, mm. pay that cash for it, and have that, that write-off right there. Or you can choose Streamline. to depreciate it yep. over time, whereas yep. it goes down in value, you kind of get the write-off of it. A key here is that in the home loan world, we add back depreciation into your real paper income. So somebody that, you know, and, and uh, this is an opportunity for somebody maybe that thinks, well, I can't get a home loan because I only show $30,000 of self-employment income this year. Yep. I say right there, let me see your tax returns because there are items that can be added back that you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and this is what always leads me to tell people, don't sit on your couch and qualify yourself as though you're a mortgage underwriter. You're not. You don't know what goes into this. Don't qualify or disqualify yourself. That's what we're here for. Um, let us through your tax returns. Um, Absolutely. Going back to that topic, by the way, of what you're writing off, not only does it matter the accounts and the flow, the way that you're writing those expenses, but um, sometimes you can take a solid look in the mirror here and make that decision of, do I want to write, be really aggressive on my write-offs? Um, if this is the year that you're ready to buy a home, like you know that um, you know, you're getting really close and income's good, you've been saving some money, and you know it's going to be time. Maybe 2017's my year. Mm -hmm. um, maybe this year I'm going to be a little bit, you know, follow the straight and narrow a little bit more on, on what I actually consider a business expense. Like don't stretch everything. Don't put that haircut under the business expense, you yep. know. You don't, it, there are things in there where there's already a blurry line to begin with, and you've always erred on the side of counting it as a business expense. If you know that you need to qualify for a loan, be a little bit more honest about those this year, pay your little bit more taxes this year, and get yourself in a better spot to be able to qualify for the loan next year. Um, Mike, you brought up business assets. This is a, a great um, part of this conversation. Business assets are kind of frowned upon in using them. We'll use them reluctantly if we just have to. 
Um, but usually what we want is to see that money in your personal account so that yep. if I'm counting your, you know, let's say that Mike owns the laundromat over on California and comes in, I'm getting a loan here and there's $40,000 in the laundromat bank account. And he suddenly says, well, I'm making my $30,000 down payment from the laundromat bank account. Therefore, leaving myself $10,000 of capital. Well, I'm as the yeah. underwriter in me is cringing. What happens? What if a machine breaks or there's vandalism or, or sales Apple comes are down? Out with a laundromat I don't app. know. Yeah. Um, were those reserves critical to the way that your business runs? Um, in a laundromat, there's those little conclusions that we can draw. But think about something different. Like, say, for example, my business. Part of the way that I'm able to make loans to people, fund these loans, sell these loans, do everything that we do is based on the money that we have in the bank. And so if I spend that money to buy something personally, have I just then, you know, cut myself off at the knees in my ability to earn money at work? Your sustainability is in question. And one of the things that underwriters may condition us, your loan officer to do is get your CPA to tell us in writing that the withdrawal of these assets into the deposit of real estate will not hurt the sustainability of the company. And I'm going to tell you right now, 90% of CPAs are not going to write that letter because their job is to take information that you give them and report it to your, as you said, business partner, the IRS. Well, yeah, they don't want to take on that liability. I mean, lately the CPAs have been getting more and more liability in terms of the representations that they make. And yeah. so you see more of these disclaimers that the CPA hasn't audited this information. They've they've merely compiled the data you've provided. And to ask a CPA to make a, a statement on letterhead about the viability of your business should you remove some portion of that business assets, you're asking a CPA to go out on a limb here and make some representations yeah. about something that they don't know that much about. And sign it on your letterhead. So again, yeah. this drives us back to that point as if you know that you're wanting to buy a house, whether it's in 90 days or two years, come in and get pre-approved. This is what pre-approval is about. It's about creating that framework uh, how we get the income, how we get the assets, how we do the credit, how we line everything up to put you in a spot where when you actually get into escrow to buy your home, it, it has the lowest amount of stress that it can have. Give us the um, 12 months to help you do this the right way, because that's really what it takes sometimes for self-employed borrowers is a full 12 months before you transact Sometimes much more. I mean, depending on the industry, um, you typically need two years worth of tax returns. We have some programs, Mike teased this a little bit earlier, but um, we have some programs at Central Coast Lending where we can qualify self-employed people on just their most recent tax year um, tax returns. And this is an interesting thing. I I made the um, the reference earlier to the you know the guy that's business is making the Trump hats right. Two years ago that was a crap business and who knows in a few years it might be back to you know a a, a business not worth anything abysmal. This year it's a good business. So if you had a good 2015 in terms of your tax filing that adjusted uh, gross income now. Bring that in right now. You can get pre-qualified right now. You might be in a spot where 
if 2014 was just ho-hum, but 2015 was, you know, a real bumper crop, then this would be a great time to consider, um, you know, getting qualified for a home loan. So not all lenders will do that, by the way. Not all programs will offer that. Um, And it's something that it seems a little bit um, ambiguous because not all borrowers will qualify for this. It's something where we actually have to do an application, be very thorough about it, get all the documentation together, and then we we run your your loan through an automated underwriting engine that ultimately will tell us whether or not we're permitted to move forward with 12 um, or if we're going to have to have 24 months worth of income history. Yeah, it's a combination of assets that are going to be left over after the close of the escrow. But also, you know, there's a what I would call a non-artificial intelligence evaluation or a manual evaluation whereas if you are in a field as an employee doing well for a period of time you can show experience in that field there is a true belief that you moved into that same field self-employed and did well the first year that you have a track record of knowing that industry and doing well now so that's a consideration that our underwriters are intelligent enough to make that would also be prudent. So if you, for example, have, let's say, been in banking for five, six years and you went off on your own and, and did your own banking, that's an industry where it might be tricky. you know. But if you were, let's say, uh, you know, a pharmaceuticals rep for a company like Pfizer and then went out on your own and became a broker to do these services and you did really well, well, we believe that you could do well every year. We just need to see your tax returns and prepare that. You should not go into escrow because some loan officer said, oh, you had a great year. You should sit right. down and go and go through the process of what would be, um, you know, we can submit a file for you to a bank before you pick out your house to determine, hey, here's what the big challenges are going to be. Can we prove this to them? Okay, we can. Great. Let's go find a house. Yep. It's called the P- to be determined submission. I wanted to take a couple minutes here um, and, you know, we're at the tail end of the show. The the places where I think we can really add some value. Um, I This kind of a unique thing here, but people that have had a home loan for um, six, seven, eight, nine years, those people are out there. Uh, I got a phone call yesterday from a friend of mine um, who lives out in Los Osos, has had the same home um same home loan i should say uh for eight years and Mm -hmm. one of the interesting things about this is that they called because they have an opportunity to buy the lot next door and the lot next door they're uh you know it's been offered to them to to buy and so they're considering doing a refi to buy that piece of dirt next door um but we got going on some analysis and so here's the interesting thing the current mortgage payment for these guys is like 2400 bucks a month, and they've got 22 years left on their loan. Um, with a new 30-year payment, they're in, they, their payment would be going down by several hundred dollars a month, but they go back out to a 30-year term. If they do a 20-year term, the payment actually stays the same. It, it, it goes down by just a skosh. Um, but so there's only 20 years left on a new 20-year loan. I know it's groundbreaking info, right? 
So a lower payment for 20 years is, or stay with what you got for 22 years, when your mortgage payment is 2000 bucks a month, getting out of that two years is $48,000. Um, going down into a 15-year loan, their payment goes up by like 100 bucks a month, but they shave seven years off of that loan. Seven years at $24,000 a year, uh, you're talking 100 148. grand. Yeah, it's a ton of money. Um, and so oftentimes people that have loans where they're, um, they've had their loan for a few yeah, years in a row, they're not refinancing because they don't need the savings. They're not refinancing. They don't need cash. They're not refinancing because there's no real evident or apparent need to do it. Those are great people to call in and check on, you know, what could you do? Mm-hmm. The 15-year fixed right now is down around 3%. So that being said, if Price, you two of them if you have a loan that's yep. eight years old, the interest rates eight years ago were you know in the higher fours. Yep. So there's some real room in there. Um, so every week Can, I make the same cattle call here. But if you have mortgage insurance, if you have an adjustable rate loan, if you um, have a second lien that you want to pay off because it's variable or interest only or something weird like that. If your um, loan is 10 years old. Yeah, and then, and now I'm going to throw this next class in here. If your loan is anything more than six years old, um, let's get together and just talk about it. Uh, as much as we're salespeople by definition, um, the the spirit of our company is such that, I mean, this is math. And, and that's one thing about math that's great. If the math adds up and it's compelling enough to save you money, if we can do some math to suggest a way that could save you 100000 bucks, would you do it? Um, chances are you would. So Execute. that's my yep. call to everybody that, um, you know, mortgage insurance, adjustable rate loan, a second, a loan that's over six years old. Um, let's talk about it. 543-LOAN is the number that rings all of our offices. That's 543-5626. Or find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com. Thanks much for being with us today. Uh, have a great week. We'll be back next week for the first May episode. Have a great one, you guys.